Okay, with the filmmaking team, uh, Anatole and Susie Volokap capturing the future. It's a documentary fashion film, uh, which I love to, to see. It's uh, it's a real. It's about a German uh, startup company called Volokap. Can you guys explain what it, what is this startup company and what are they and what are they doing? It's like a, it's a really fascinating film, but even I can't comprehend exactly what they're what they're up to. Yeah, I'll, I'll bite, shall I? Um, so Volokap are a really cool um sort of 3d volumetric capture studio um so i have a bit of a background in vr myself so you know that from that perspective i can, can kind of get a sense of um what they're doing it's incredibly advanced um often we have the idea of like 3d captures where you take a sort of still photograph of a person and you can sort of see them in 3d but the real challenge as we start to think about like you know what you know video will look like in the future when you have 3d space like VR and so on, or in like games is actually capturing natural human performances in a volume. So that means that you can place a camera in any direction around them. So Volucap are one of the world leading sort of teams on this front. They were behind um, the sort of visual effects of a lot of the uh, sort of bullet time effects around the latest Matrix film. And so, um, yeah, they, they're, they're just an outstanding team and are made for a great subject to capture. And in, in this, they're based in Germany. They're based in Germany in Potsdam, um, which is the I think the world's oldest film studio. So quite the contrast. So tell me about like how did like how did you get access? Where did you where did you first meet them? And and how did that kind of the process uh, start to get the, the get trust to, to do this documentary film? Yeah, Susie, you're probably the best bet to answer this one. Uh, yes, um, so we're actually um, working on this series of startup um, stories, this well, tech companies specifically. Um, and this one is actually funded by Huawei. Um, so um, it's targeting a series of um, startup companies that uh, cross Europe and um, also in Asia. Um, and uh, we we did a lot of research um, on you know like specifically which startup uh, company stories that is interesting, and we found uh, Wallacab um, because Wallacab was working with Huawei Germany um, at the time, and we immediately we realized that, okay um, you know that this is going to be a very cool story and um it's very visual um and uh, it's actually uh quite um you can say revolutionary uh for the media industry um and um um so yeah me and Anatole decided to produce and direct this one and how much how much access you you, how, how many days did you guys spend with them I think we spent in total three days. Um, so we did like a couple of days back in, uh, I'm trying to remember the dates now, but it was sort of, there was an April shoot. And then we sort of six months later, we came back after they had sort of uh, upgraded all of the camera systems and they had this sort of new technology in place. Um, and we shot another day with them there. And, and basically, and so and where did you, how did you guys first meet them? Where did you, like, uh, like how did you, like... Uh, how did you introduce yourself to them? Did you come to them and say like, oh, we're, we're filmmaking team, we want to film you or like, how did that process work? Um, well, I think, I think Susie was the one who made the first contact like over email, but I met um, 
uh, Sven, like, so as, as Susie said, like, uh, Huawei was the sort of sponsors of this documentary and I was happened to be in Barcelona, um, filming another project. And, um, there was like one of the people that I knew at Huawei was there and Sven happened to be along at that conference too. And he was like, you, you have to meet this guy that, you know, the stuff that they're doing is amazing. So, um, you know, we, uh, we met and, uh, we had a really great conversation there. Um, and at the time they were like just showing off their technology in Barcelona and, uh, and yeah, it sort of all sprang from there. Like within the month we were filming the first, um, sort of scenes with them. Um, we, you know, at the time we were still trying to figure out what the story was. Um, there was like, uh, there was a lot of discussion at the time that they were partnering with a, uh, a Holocaust museum to sort of capture the, um, sort of 3d volumetric sort of conversations of Holocaust survivors to sort of preserve them for future generations. And so that was the original conversation. Sadly, that didn't happen because that would have been an extraordinary story to, to capture. Yeah. But How come you know, to, why, just, why didn't that happen? I'm so curious. Uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not like party to the sort of details of, um, you know, Volleycap's partnership with the museum there, but like, you know, it's something on that end, but that's the nature okay. of documentaries. You're always like adapting to the story, um, but that's how we planned it originally. So the project died, I guess that, that particular project died, I guess. Right. Well, yeah, it didn't, it didn't happen. I think a lot of this stuff, you know, the cost of capturing is very expensive and yeah. um, there's a lot which needs to fall into place. So getting from like preliminary conversations to actually capturing is, um, is quite a sort of uh, fraught process. Um, so yeah, that's somewhere along the way. They, I think they didn't end up doing that, but they may still do it. Um, I hope they do. So they they were going to like, like, kind of bring the Holocaust survivors to life or in some sort of way? Is that what their the plan was? The, the original plan was that they were, um, so you you have that museum, which uh, is like, it was a Holocaust museum. I'm not sure exactly um, which one. Um, but the idea is that like, you know, at the moment we're kind of in a period of time where really we're sort of seeing the final, you know, sort of Holocaust survivors, they, they won't survive for that many, that much longer. It's almost the that generation of the Second World War is coming to an end. And the importance of capturing their stories in a medium which can be preserved for future generations as media progresses, you know, people will be expecting to watch things in different ways. And VR, which is quite rare nowadays, will become commonplace in a couple of decades time. So the idea was to try and capture them in a way which was really like would be relevant to future audiences. Um, so it's more about that sort of preservation. That was the that was the sort of primary idea. Um, sadly, it didn't happen then, but I really do hope it happens in the future because that's a really worthwhile thing. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because yeah, it's especially like it just it's very like prominent in in today's world where like there's generations that don't even know what happened, right? So it's like, and I guess they're the, the way to tell that story through this new technology, it gets people's attention, I guess, right? So. So yeah, exactly. Okay, so yeah. tell me about because the film about this film seven minutes long, and I'm I'm assuming you know you've heard this before, where you want you uh, the audience we want we want to know more we 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 want to dive into uh, into uh, this film more. I'll give you a perfect example. So the head of design, uh, I think his name is Menron. You, you 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 he's in the film for maybe less than a minute, but he's such an interesting character, and he seems so brilliant. You kind of want to follow him for like 10, 15 minutes in the film. You want to. So basically what I'm trying to say is that like th there's a bigger film here, obviously. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Meron is such an amazing character. And like, 
I mean, what you saw on on the screen was just like a fraction of the yeah, sort of exactly. stuff you were doing. Like they they've created they're they're essentially these sort of innovators who just um they had on site this um this car which they ha- you know hand built to be a sort of shooting rig on the go in Berlin. Um, and uh, you know all these sorts of things. They built their own drones and so on. So they're they're just like this top tier engineering team, which you can only imagine like happens in somewhere like Germany, where you have these brilliant engineers who are just experimenting all over the place, just building stuff that they enjoy. So um, yeah, I, I think I think you know as Susie was saying, um, this was like a documentary. At the end of the day, like we were you know very fortunately had um, Huawei as a sponsor for this documentary. Um, but that meant that like, uh, you know, we had to sort of, we had a certain budget to work with and we also wanted to approach this documentary quite intentionally with this sort of style. Um, and you know, it's, it's a sort of a high, it's, it's a high tech subject and we wanted to have like this visual, um, style and pace to it, which kind of reflected that. Um, but that's not something which is easy to shoot. It requires a lot of planning and it requires, you know, the appropriate crew and so on. So we decided that we would focus on doing something small well and uh, rather than doing something bigger, which was perhaps didn't have quite the same sort of coherence in terms of approach. Gotcha. So Susie, when did you first meet uh, Anatole? How did you guys meet? Uh, we, Anatole, when did we meet? Like two years ago? Was it? Yeah, it's probably around two years ago. Yeah, we worked on a few like short doc projects together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I think it's fair to say that we're both quite into technology, tech stories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the the, um, the innovation behind technology is quite yeah. interesting. Yeah. Actually, the the original reason that we that we met was because um, because it was in the midst of like COVID and China obviously had an incredibly extended lockdown, and so Susie was based in based in China, and so. Um, yeah, it was it was sort of uh, you know at the time there were like these interesting stories that she wanted to capture, um, and um, you know we we were sort of a team. I, I'm half Chinese myself um, from Hong Kong, um, and yeah, we you know we were a team that were very much keen to sort of work together. So we we ended up shooting a lot of stuff uh, where Susie was off in China and I was I was like shooting on the ground. Um, but I think Folly Cup was probably the first time that we actually met each other in person right um wasn't it yeah yeah I think it yeah. was I think like everything we had done thus far that was the first time you managed to escape from yeah. <laughs> from yeah. lockdown and actually yeah. like we were working in person so we've been working like remotely with each other for about a year up to that point um but when we met in person for Volleycat and you, I love how you guys yeah. kind of completed the film uh with sort of the the kind of like a montage of the evolution of of technology so you tell this kind of micro story of of this company about what they're doing and how innovative they are, and then you got to have a, like a micro or sorry, a macro kind of theme, I guess, right? Saying that they're just like the, the piece of the puzzle of like the future of technology, I guess. I that was my impression. That was my kind of interpretation of your film. Yeah, for sure. I think I think there's often with these sorts of subjects, there's always a temptation to. Um, to try and big up like the subject matter to say this is going to be world changing and for sure you know within its niche this is a really important company doing some really interesting work but actually it's one of many different technologies which is which are going to change the you know the landscape of media 
And I think from my own perspective, it reminds me of the invention of cinema, right? It yeah. reminds me of how like in the you know 1800s, we consumed media in a totally different way. Um, and even within the 1900s, between sort of silent film areas to sort of like the you know mention of tv and then color television and so on it's it's all changed so much and it's all going to change a lot in the future which you think so? myself <laughs> i think so yeah as a as somebody as a cinema lover and as a filmmaker that loves working in you know traditional cinema it's weird saying that it's like traditional as it were but it's it's uh it's scary um and uh you know i i'm you know in a sense, sad that it will change, but I do expect it will change. You think I, I don't see? I, I don't. I don't know if I'm. If, if I agree with that, I don't know if that's gonna. I think that they're, they're the mentalities of storytelling in the cinema, on at home. I, I I can maybe see a little bit. Maybe I think video games will will start that trend, but I don't. In terms of storytelling, it does. Sometimes the technology gets in the way of storytelling, right? People just want a, a yeah. basic story. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Susie, what, what do you think? I've not heard your thoughts on this. Um, I, I don't know. I think it, there is definitely a group of audiences that, you know, totally into the change in cinema. Like, for instance, like the, the VR films are quite popular now, or it's getting increasingly popular. And it's just changed the way of um, authorship, you know, because the audience right now has so much freedom to explore um, themselves. Um, but um, for the conventional way, um, you know, the traditional Hollywood storytelling that the authorship is so important, the director would tell you um, by, you know, through storytelling. Um, I, I actually, I don't think the conventional way would completely um, be gone, um, but I do think they, you know, like a different type or different trend new trend of film would come um and maybe in the future we would have like so many different kinds um yeah landscape mm. in that side if that makes sense because you mentioned like the history yeah. of cinema right where like you got black and white to color you got silent to sound i guess right talkies and then so that those were the two like kind of leaps and then television came in, which was another, but that's like another, that's like just like another highway of the technology, I guess. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's the same technology. They just kind of have a different device. So that's what I think was, I think okay. is happening is that we're just, we have the technology already figured out. We're just creating different devices within the, 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 the technology. I don't see a grand leap i don't see a grand change shift you know what i mean but that's just my that's, that's my perception i could be wrong maybe yeah i mean like i i have sort of two things which i feel like kind of really um have influenced my thinking on this like firstly i started off before i became a filmmaker as a photographer and i was a documentary photographer and actually one of the reasons why i left photography is that i kind of realized that documentary photography these days doesn't have the impact that it had 30 or 40 years ago. Like okay. there were photographs which completely changed the world. Um, nowadays, actually, it's it's hard to think of any photograph which has had a significant impact on society um, in the way those photographs had in the past. So that that's one thing which to me, it's, you know, the, I, it's been a very obvious change. And like the fact of the accessibility of photography from Instagram, you know, in a sense, it gives 
people the ability to you know everybody the ability to take photographs but it also means that actually almost the 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 sort of beating heart of photography has kind of been hidden underneath that it's very hard to like if you look at instagram everybody cares about pretty photos but they don't necessarily care about soulful meaningful photos and so i think that you know photography has really struggled as a result now i don't think cinema is in the position right now um but you know i i i also taught um, at UCL for a couple of years um, on a virtual reality documentary program there. And it was a bit of a weird one because I was coming from a conventional film background and everybody else, all the other tutors on the course were all VR professionals. And um, for me, I always had this sort of skepticism of VR whilst teaching that course. Um, but it was, you know, it's it's not just a technology change. It is, it is a storytelling change. Like I think VR filmmaking um, is just not like conventional filmmaking at all. It's essentially more like um, immersive theater. Um, it's you, you're essentially the, as a viewer, you're, you're part of the story. Um, and as yeah. a director, you have so little control over the shots. You just place a camera and you run around the corner and you roll the camera. And that's very different from um yeah. it's almost the opposite of like volley cap like volley cap the entire idea is that we're being really purposeful intentional with the shots really guiding the viewer in terms of how to view things you don't do that at all with vr so i i don't know yeah. what the future is but it's not just a technology change um there is a storytelling change there as well gotcha no that makes that makes a whole lot of sense right like it just because it's there but at the same time, as humans, we've been telling stories since the beginning of time. The sure. story is a story, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's about conflict and and emotional responses to what's happening. I guess, right? So like, yeah, it's, that hasn't changed. There are storytelling, like we're 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 telling different versions of the same story over and over again, but we still enjoy it. I guess, right? Absolutely true. But a novel is very different from, you know, a classical symphony, 100%. which is very different from cinema. So I think, um, you know, it's, it'll change in that sense. That's a good, that, that's a good, that's a good example of what you just said. It's like, it's like, it's, it's because, yeah, it's just a shift of, of like, it's like a new, it's like a new symphony, a symphony, I guess. Right. The, the virtual reality. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think so. So the, the bring back everything around, we send you guys the audience. Cause it's all, it's still about, Hopefully, it's still about the audience. What did you guys think about what the audience had to say about your film and the feedback video that we sent you? See? And so, um, do you want to go for this one? I mean, I, I watched uh, the clip on YouTube, and thank you very much for recording that and sending us the link. Um, and um, I got, um, well, a lot of um, audience would say um, the, bi the biggest impression they had with Wallokab is very visual. Um, it's beautifully shot um, and um, some feedback was um, saying that you know they, um, they they saw this influence of technology that has brought into different industries um, and that's what, what we're trying to express in the film actually um, it's very interesting yeah yeah uh, just to like add on like that point I think I think it's um uh you know, as a documentary filmmaker, um, you know, my, I think my own experience and Susie, I don't know what your experience is like, but quite often, uh, you know, there's a temptation to just approach films from a sort of observational perspective in a way where you kind of run and you follow the um, the action and you follow what's going on. Um, and actually, 
this approach of being more intentional about it, about planning things in advance and being like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, let's listen to this conversation. Let's think about how this conversation would be best portrayed. Um, it's it's unusual as a documentary filmmaker, um, but it felt appropriate for the subject matter. Gotcha. And you, are you yeah. guys working on a project think- now? Another project now? We're thinking we're about like what's completed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you go. Yeah. Yeah. We we just completed one and we're exploring like, you know, maybe doing something environmental related, which is like a longer, like a series, long form um series. But that's that's something which is very early stages. Yeah. Well, you guys are ready for it, that's for sure. You're ready for like a like a feature. We I want to see that's just more my my impression. I want to see like a larger like a big film with like a feature film or a TV series, like you said, it's like, you guys can tell a story. This is a really well put together film, just from a technology standpoint, the way you guys kind of told the story in terms of the visuals and you kind of dis- dispersing with your, with the person who's in charge. And like, it just, it, it, like you said, it makes us want more, but, but at the same time, it, it's still a very cohesive seven minute film when you guys were genius for like, no, I'm making it too long. It was like, it's the perfect length for what, because like you said, we want, we want, we want to know more about it. It actually makes people want to like Google Volocap and like learn more about it. And I think that that's the intention of the film. Well, very kind words. I think, you know, one of the challenges of working with any sort of subject matter like that, which is technology, um, it can be quite a dry subject. And it's quite hard to like create that sort of human connection, emotive connection, which at the end of the day is what makes or breaks a documentary. So um I'm, you know, there's a very, very lovely words to hear that we've managed to do that. So let's keep in touch and I'd yeah, uh, love to so see much. what you guys do next. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and best of luck with the yeah, success of this right. film. It's, it's a no brainer. It's, it's a no brainer acceptance anywhere. You guys should get in every film festival you submit to. <laughs> very kind. Thank you. Thank you very much. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Schlemiel, Schlemizel, Hassan, Van, Frank,